0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 48 of We f Up. I'm Teresa.
1: And I'm Cody.
0: Okay, I really hope that you're not going to do that the whole time.
1: No. Great.
0: Because it makes you sweat. That's right. Uh, we are once again bringing to you our biweekly journey into the slow and inevitable descent of the final episode of this show. The which, descent
1: into hell.
0: Okay. Well... It's not hell, but I think we have like three episodes left. Well, this is the fourth one, I think.
1: There's two regular episodes after this one and then two specials after that.
0: Okay, so this is the fifth to last episode. T minus five episodes to go. Mm -hmm. All right. What are we talking about? Why have you been using that god awful voice at the end of last episode forty seven and this, the beginning of this? Because episode?
1: this episode comes out on
0: Halloween. Oh, oh, I see. Well, spooky. Okay, <laughs> great. Well, what are we talking about on this spookiest of occasions?
1: We are talking about the real life. Dracula. Yeah, we are taking the opportunity since it is the spookiest of all days. Odd to say that, as we're recording this on not the spookiest of days. <laughs> uh,
0: Well, At least we're in October when we're We're, yeah, we're in the ballpark.
1: It's uh, in the month around the ten yard line. Um, I'd say you know take this opportunity to talk about Vlad Dracula.
0: Yep. Yeah, I could, I I mean, you said that before, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what so, what specifically about him are we talking about?
1: Uh, One particular kind of in-the-moment mistake he made that really could have affected uh, really the whole balance of power in Eastern Europe for a long time to come.
0: So. Whoa. Vlad
1: Dracula uh, was the voivode, or prince, of a little place called Wallachia. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is today southern Romania. The origins of the Principality of Wallachia are shrouded in myth and mystery.
0: (laughs) I'm sure. I mean, you could say that about a lot of history, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, whatever. According to Romanian tradition, the state was founded around 1290 by Radu the Black. Radu. Radu. The first documented voivode of Wallachia was Basarab I, supposedly the son of Radu the Black, who defeated King Charles I of Hungary at the Battle of Posada in November 1330, establishing Wallachian independence. Over the next several decades, the voivodes fought off domination by the Hungarians to the west and the Bulgarians to the south reaching its largest extent during the rule of the I in the 1380s. However, by this time, a new threat was emerging.
0: We love new threats.
1: The Ottoman Empire.
0: Not the Ottomans.
1: Which we just discussed a few episodes ago. Yes. Uh, the Ottomans had risen out of the various Turkish states in Anatolia during the 14th century, around the same time as Wallachia. Uh, while Wallachia... Slowly rose in power over several decades, the Ottomans were a nearly unstoppable force.
0: Unstoppable force?
1: Under Sultan Orhan, the Ottomans had conquered northwest Anatolia by 1361. Under his successor Murad I, the rest of western Anatolia and much of Thrace had been taken. Spreading,
0: Un- the spreading their power. Yes.
1: In 1394, a Wallachian army under Marseille... Defeated a larger Ottoman army under Sultan the I at the Battle of Rovine. This is the first time the two meet in battle. However, the Pyrrhic victory led Marseilla's grasp on power unstable. He just lost so many people in the battle. It's like, yeah, they'd won, but they lost so many people that they might as well have lost. Right. Um, uh, it led to his deposition the same year by Vlad I, not Vlad Dracula, mm-hmm. uh, who paid homage to the Ottomans. Okay. Marseilla... With Hungarian backing, was able to retake the throne in 1397, ruling until his death in 1418. This is the first in a very long pattern of one ruler is backed by the Hungarians, he's overthrown by a ruler who is backed by the Ottomans, and it's a back and forth and back and forth. So it's a puppet state. Yeah, for literal centuries.
0: Wow. Why and, is it such an important place? Why I mean why do they care so much? Um
1: it, it, it's kind of just like well if they're kind of like a buffer state. So like um, if they're on your side, uh they'll be able to like uh, you know the, your your opponent will have to attack them as well as you. Okay. If they're on the opposite side, that's more resources for the enemy type of thing. Okay. So and, and you even see and we'll see this with Vlad Dracula, um they will be kicked off the throne and come back to the throne multiple times like the same person. Ah. So it's like a revolving door of voivodes.
0: Well at least they're not all getting their heads cut off immediately afterwards. Not all of them. True. Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, after suffering a decade of civil war following the capture of Bayezid I by the warlord Timur at the Battle of Ankara in 1402, the Ottomans righted themselves and continued their aggressive expansion into the rest of Anatolia and southeastern Europe under Murad II. Before he died, Mircea negotiated a treaty with the Ottomans that required Wallachia to pay the sultan 3,000 pounds of gold annually in exchange for the Ottomans not invading. Okay. And this would establish Wallachia as a tributary vassal of the Ottoman Empire. Here's a map for you right there. So that's where the Ottoman. This is around this time. Uh, here's the Ottomans right here, mm-hmm. not fully in control yet of uh, like Greece and Anatolia, but they control this large swath of territory. And here's Wallachia,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right here, right at the top. Uh, Murceia's son, Michael I, ruled until 1420, until he was usurped and killed by his cousin Dan II.
0: Both of these names are like disturbingly Christian, and
1: well, they, very... well, they, well, they, the the, the, the are
0: Christian. I know it's just funny. We went from like Mersea Vlad, what was the one guy's name, the Black, something Radu, Radu the Black, and then they're like, Mike, Dan. Dan let just. Not, it's
1: not like it's Daniel. This is just Dan the Second.
0: Yeah, but still, <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. But okay, yeah. got it.
1: Uh, over the next decade, Dan II contested the throne with Radu II, with the Ottomans backing Radu, and the country was greatly destabilized as a result. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's like literally just a back and forth.
0: They're just like, who do we pay? Who do we pay homage to? Who yeah. who are we supposed to listen to? We're just trying to grow our fruits and vegetables over here, okay? Our crops. Yeah.
1: Say yeah. crops. I don't know. I don't know the agricultural history of Eastern Europe.
0: Well, that's your fault. In
1: 1431. Dan II was succeeded by one of Marseille's illegitimate sons, Alexander I, who was forced to provide military ex- assistance to the Ottomans.
0: Bring back the traditional names. I'm tired of Well, that. after
1: his death in 1436, he was succeeded by his half-brother, Vlad II.
0: Good. Somebody's got some traditional names up in here.
1: Yeah. Vlad II spent much of his early life away from Wallachia, attending the courts of Hungary and the Eastern Roman Empire. In 1431, King Sigismund of Hungary made Vlad a member of the Order of the Dragon, a chivalric order, which gave Vlad his famous sobriquet Dracul. Uh, so it's
0: is... like a Mason. <laughs> <laughs> order of the Dragon is like Masons. Sure. <laughs> of of old.
1: Yeah, except this one you get a name with it, I guess. And then this is not this is not Vlad Dracula. Uh-huh. This is his father. Right. Because Dracula means son of Dracul. Oh, I know. Uh, Although he came to the throne in 1436 with Hungarian support, Vlad was forced to swear fealty to the Ottomans after Sigismund's death, as he no longer had the support of the Hungarian king. Oh no. More back and forth between Hungary and the Ottomans, because this doesn't stop.
0: Of course not.
1: uh, Saw Vlad II in Ottoman captivity and dethroned in 1442. In 1443... He regained the throne with Ottoman support. Oh, my God. Because this is, like, seriously, like, a yearly thing now. But uh, he gained the Ottoman support, but the price was high. He had to provide annual tribute in men and gold. And he had to leave his sons as hostages. The younger son, Radu, and the older son,
0: Vlad. (laughs) Vlad. Uh, Ooh. okay, now maybe
1: every time I say Bla- Vlad, we can edit it in like like a lightning strike or like a wolf howl in the
0: background. <laughs> maybe, maybe I can make that happen. Um, now I'm tired of the traditional names, though. Too many Vlads and Radus. No, no, no more of that. <laughs>
1: in 1447, Vlad II was killed fighting the Hungarians at Balteni. He was succeeded by a Hungarian puppet. Vladislav II.
0: <laughs> it's just a puppet. <laughs> sure. Like a like a paper bag puppet. Sure. Yeah. They're like, I'm I'm the king. It's a marionette. I've just decided it's a marionette. Oh boy. And they're like, but it, but it's the actual king that's puppeteering it, so they they can't say anything about it.
1: This is a weird situation you've concocted in your head.
0: Well. Yep,
1: your head's a weird space.
0: I mean, a little bit.
1: You've probably seen this, but here is a picture of old Vladdy boy.
0: Never seen that one before. I'm just kidding. I'm being facetious. Yeah, of course, yeah. I've seen that one.
1: It, it's there aren't there aren't really any contemporary images of him, and this this one it's the most common one. It's the one that you know, big old mustache, long hair. He has that weird hat with the jewels in the center and the top part mm-hmm. coming up. It's a later painting that we think is based on a contemporary image that doesn't exist anymore, but... Hmm. uh, He was born sometime between 1428 and 1431, possibly in Sigiswara in modern-day Romania. And I looked. In 1430, in October... There's a Friday the 13th. (laughs) Just like this October. Uh Uh-huh. Spooky.
0: Yeah, very spooky.
1: So I like to think that Vlad Dracula was born in October, Friday the 13th,
0: 1430.
1: Okay. It just just fits.
0: Which wouldn't have had any meaning. I don't
1: care. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. That's when he was born. Okay. I'm calling it now. All right. Uh, He was first referenced in a royal charter in January 1437. So this is the first time he's ever mentioned in any real documentation. It's when his father issues a... uh, a uh, like some royal decree. For, say, whatever for like a legal reason or administrative reason or what have you, mm-hmm. they would often times cite like some other nobles who are there, and as the heir, he would certainly be a noble. So sure. And as I mentioned, as his father was Vlad Dracul, he is Vlad Dracula. Uh, but he was imprisoned alongside his father and his brother Radu by the Ottomans in 1442. And he remained in the Ottoman Empire until, until 1448.
0: So he's basically like a preteen.
1: Yeah, he's there for uh, some formative years.
0: Yeah, and uh, then bro- ejected like right around the time he would be yeah. considered an adult.
1: Yeah. Uh, and his brother Radu, he's a few years younger, but he but, uh he remains at the Ottoman court for... A long time after Vlad leaves, because Vlad leaves be, to take his throne.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, by in prison, though, are we talking like yeah, I mean, this house was a rough, arrest? Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're nobles; they're not gonna be put in a dungeon, right? Right. So,
0: in this case, I mean, often uh, yeah. nobles are. So, now, that's now around, why I asked. around the same time,
1: uh, his fears older than him, or about the same age, uh, is uh, Murad the Second's heir Mehmet, okay, who will later go on to be called Mehmet the Conqueror. Oh, okay. So, so they're kind of raised together. Uh, after initially winning the throne in, in October 1448, uh, Vlad was dethroned the following month. Vlad <laughs> Dracu- back to the Ottomans. Vlad Dracula. Vlad Dracula. Because remember, his father is dead by this point. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, he left 1448 to get his throne from the usurper, but the usurper re usurps him.
0: <laughs> he was re usurped. Yes. Uh, Re- so Vlad has
1: to go back. And he bounced around for the next several years. But then <laughs> he retakes the throne in April 1456.
0: He took some gap years. Yeah. He was like, is it really all it's cracked up to be? I'm going to yeah. take a, a walkabout. Yeah, I'm
1: going to go on my grand tour and wander around, stay in some hostels.
0: Have some babies. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Sample do, the local Do a fair. little pillaging. It's fine. <laughs> do a little pillaging. Yeah. Perhaps uh, perfect his steak game. Exactly, like, like his stake, like as in pull out of the ground, stake not like
1: not yum yum snake,
0: not steak. yum yum steak is what he yeah. said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that. Uh,
1: but then he retakes his throne in April 1456. This time with Hungarian support.
0: Man, he's playing all sides. He is. Upon Crafty. taking
1: the throne, Vlad initiated a purge among the nobility.
0: Purge the nobles.
1: Killing and confiscating the lands of those who conspired against his father and himself.
0: Dang. Vengeance.
1: In a letter to the local nobles, Vlad stated that, quote, When a man or a prince is strong and powerful, he can make peace as he wants to. But when he is weak, a stronger one will come and do what he wants to him. End quote.
0: So basically he's saying, you gotta be the big bad. And if you're not the big bad, somebody else who is the big bad will come and whip you.
1: Yeah, who's bigger and badder. Yeah. Yeah. In 1459... Vlad refused to pay the annual tribute to the Ottomans, citing border conflicts with Hungary and Moldavia to the north. It's like, I, I can't afford this. I have to fight my own battles here.
0: Mm. And they said... When uh, Mehmet uh,
1: demanded that Vlad come... Because he's, he's assaulted by this point. Sure. Uh, he demanded that Vlad come to Constantinople, which, side note, Mehmet had conquered in 1453, ending the last remnant of the Roman Empire. Vlad again refused, stating that he could not leave when the risk of invasion was high. It's like, I, I can't leave. Like, I, I'm needed here. However, he was really playing for time. Uh-oh. Mm. And here, I'm going to show you a, an image of Mehmet.
0: All right. Nice big hat. Yep. Did not look like my boss.
1: Maghmet's spies had reported to him that Vlad had been in secret negotiations with Hungarian king Matthias Corvinus about a joint invasion of the Ottoman Empire. Maghmet sent an envoy, Hamzat Pasha, to the fortress of among along the Danube, ostensibly to negotiate with Vlad. Hamzat had secret orders to ambush Vlad and bring him to Constantinople. However, Vlad was wise to the ruse. He and a small contingent of his force disguised themselves as Ottomans and managed to infiltrate the fortress. Because remember, Vlad was raised for a good chunk of his childhood amongst the Ottomans. Mm-hmm. He can speak Turkish. Uh-huh. He knows how their mannerisms. He knows how they dress.
0: It's funny though that like all they needed to do is disguise themselves and mm-hmm. then they were just able to like go in.
1: Yeah, walk on in. <laughs> Uh, Hamzat was captured, his men killed, and the fortress destroyed.
0: Oh no, not the fortress.
1: Vlad then engaged in a campaign of wanton slaughter along the Danube, killing and impaling 23,844 Turks. Dang. We know the number because Vlad himself cited it in a number to the Hungarian king.
0: (laughs) I wonder if he counted it himself, or if he had, like, royal counters that he sent out.
1: I mean, probably minions do it, but... (laughs)
0: Uh, 23,843. Oh my God. I forgot how many there were. It's just one dude out there.
1: Mehmet, occupied with putting down opposition in Greece, sent an army of 18,000 to defeat Vlad, who beat back the force with only 8,000 Ottomans surviving. Wow. Mehmet decided then to end this conflict once and for all setting out from Constantinople in April 1462 with a force of around 100,000 men, Dang. including Vlad's brother, Radu.
0: Oh no, Radu. Remember,
1: he's been with the Ottomans for 20 years.
0: He's a turncoat.
1: Yeah, he's kind of just like, I mean, like that that's largely who he is known. Yeah. So.
0: His brother versus brother.
1: Kind of. Uh, and Radu, uh, he's the guy like, oh, all right, the Ottomans are, right, we're going to replace Vlad with Radu.
0: Mm-hmm. Since yeah, so usurped by my own brother, how well, dare you?
1: A Vlad could only muster thirty thousand soldiers after Hungary refused to lend support.
0: Oh no, he's all alone.
1: Because Hungary was probably just like, you know, what, we're fine if you want to. We'll give you, we'll kick you a little cash, maybe some men, supplies. If you want to just, ha- or just, just, you know, annoy them. We don't want to get into a full battle with a hundred thousand Ottomans. Right. We're not ready for that. Yeah, so. Uh, during the campaign, Vlad utilized scorched earth tactics, denying resources to the, to the enemy. He also engaged in guerrilla warfare, using hit-and-run tactics to harass the Ottomans, and even used a primitive form of biological warfare, sending plague-ridden people into the Ottoman camp. Jeez. Yes. But his most daring assault came on the evening of June 17, 1462. The Ottomans were encamped just south of of the, the uh, Wallachian capital, Targoviste. Vlad, once again de- disguising himself as an Ottoman soldier, entered the Ottoman camp, made note of the layout, and most importantly, location of Mehmet's tent.
0: Oh no. Man, you guys gotta have better border control. Better entry control. He, know, he,
1: he, know, he knows their ways.
0: They don't have any... They, they don't make them, like, you know, deposit their swords or anything. They're just like, oh yeah, dude who looks like other Ottoman people in a country full of people. Well, he probably who knows like-,
1: like all the right passwords to say or like whatever. Like he he know he knows all their all their all their
0: ways. But I'm what I'm saying though is that they've been fooled by this exact thing before and yet they're still just like Well they
1: don't they they, Let they don't, don't this know Rando in. they don't know that because the first time remember, he only captured the guy and killed everybody else. Oh, that's fair. So they don't know that. Okay. Once night had fallen, and many of the Ottoman soldiers had gone to sleep, Vlad attacked with around 24,000 men. He proceeded directly to Mehmet's tent with the intention of killing him, or at least capturing him. At the time, Mehmet's sons were 15, 12, and 3, with no clear successor. Because it wasn't necessarily... the Ottoman, at least at this time, the way the Ottoman succession was, it wasn't necessarily oldest son inheritance always it was a, a kind of almost like uh all right all you all of you fight amongst yourselves to see which one of you comes out on top i see like a lot of times when an ottoman sultan would come to the throne he would kill his brothers mm-hmm. because he didn't want any uh, uh rivals for power yeah. so yeah however in the chaos vlad went into the wrong tent finding the tent of two of mehmet's advisors
0: crucial error
1: yeah it, it's possible that maybe like he it's the way he knew it was Mechmet's tent that it like earlier that or way why he thought it maybe he saw Mechmet coming out of it mm-hmm. so he just assumed that one was his oh yeah but it was not
0: case of a mistaken tent
1: yeah and the walaikian force only had a short window to attack before having to retreat because remember they're so horribly outnumbered right right uh so a, a hunt for Mechmet was not possible Vladin has been retreated, having killed between ten and twenty thousand. This is a image of it. It's called a night attack at Targoviste.
0: Yep, looks pretty chaotic.
1: Which, if you remember, because I don't think you guys, well, I don't think you guys have watched it yet. Remember the very beginning of Bram Stoker's Dracula? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, where he's like fighting at night. Yeah, let's you know, like that kind of like sunset kind of look. Mm-hmm supposed to be that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, I will say about that movie. We know that Vlad was married twice. Mhm. We know who his second wife was. And it was some Hungarian noblewoman. We there isn't really any confirmed evidence on who his first wife was. Mhm. Or even her name. Mhm. There's stories that it made like it was a woman named Anastasia, but we we don't really know how she died any of that stuff so when you watch that movie it's possible he had a wife that killed herself because sh- she thought he had been killed in battle mm-hmm. but there's no actual evidence to that effect yeah so Mehmet proceeded to Targavishte, but was greeted with a horrific sight 20,000 impaled corpses lined the road With Mehmet's envoy, Hamzat Pasha, on the highest stake, denoting his high rank.
0: That would take so long to do 20,000 people impaled on stakes along a road. He must have been gone for a while.
1: (laughs) Well, he'd probably set it up before he attacked uh, the camp.
0: And then put the bodies on after?
1: No, no, no. I mean, he had the body, like, he had all that stuff done before he attacked the camp. Oh. I
0: see. I see.
1: The line of impaled corpses stretched for over 60 miles. Wow. Uh, And this is from a chronicler of the time. Quote, The sultan's army entered into the area of the impalements, which was 17 stades long and seven stades wide. It was a a stade. was an old unit measurement. Got it. There were large stakes there on which, as it was said, about 20,000 men, women, and children had been spitted, quite a sight for the Turks and the sultan himself. The sultan was seized with amazement and said that it was not possible to deprive of his country a man who had done such great deeds, who had such a diabolical understanding of how to govern his realm and its people. And he said that a man who had done such things was worth much. The rest of the Turks were dumbfounded when they saw the multitude of men on the stakes. There were infants, too, affixed to their mothers on the stakes, and birds had made nests in their entrails, end quote.
0: Jeez. Yikes.
1: So basically, Mehmed is like... There is no way I'm ever going to really defeat this man because he will do anything, yeah, sacrifice anybody or anything, before he gives up.
0: Yeah. Yep. And 60 miles along a road like that would take yeah. a really long time.
1: Uh, the sultan entered Targoviste but found it deserted. Vlad had ordered the capital to be evacuated. After burning a few towns and taking some livestock and slaves, Macbeth returned to Constantinople and declared victory. Like okay. I am not hanging around here for this anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm the winner. I did it.
1: Uh, he left behind a portion of his army under Radu to continue the campaign. Despite winning some victories over his brother, Vlad began to lose support, partly due to his brutality. Yeah. In July 1462, Vlad fled to Hungary to solicit. This is just a few weeks later. Vlad fled to Hungary to solicit support, but was imprisoned instead. With Radu succeeded him as voivode. Oh no. He's called Radu the Handsome. Okay. Much like how Vlad is called Vlad the Impaler. Mm
0: hmm. At least it's not like Radu the Short. Yeah, Radu or like the Fat. Charles the Bald. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Vlad remained a prisoner of the Hungarians for 13 years, supposedly impaling rats in his prison to pass the time. That's gross. In June 1475, Matthias Corvinus released Vlad and recognized him as voivode, leaving Vlad to retake his throne for a That's- third time.
0: That's hilarious because Corvinus is the last name of the werewolves, no, of the vampires in the Underworld series.
1: I'll take your word for it.
0: That must be where they got it from. Possibly. It's kind of hilarious.
1: Uh, Vlad gathered support and once again campaigned against the Ottomans, impaling any Turks he came across. After a brutal campaign, he entered Targavishte in November 1476. Uh, his brother, Radu, had died in January 1475. Oh. So his brother already dead by that point. R.I.P. Uh, he had been succeeded by a, another uh, voivode, Basarab III, uh, who Vlad had deposed. Oh, but that man. voivode... Such, retur- such
0: a mess over there.
1: <laughs> ...returned with an Ottoman army in January 1477, and Vlad was killed in battle.
0: Oh, no. Or so we think. <laughs> bum, bum.
1: He was decapitated, and his head was sent to Mehmet in Constantinople, where it was impaled on a spike. Of course, it was, and placed on display. His it- burial place is unknown. Although, in the 1970s, a headless body was discovered during archaeological work at Comana Monastery in Romania, near
0: where Vlad died. Ooh. Could have been him. Or a fake. Or a fake.
1: The real Dracula may have placed it there, so he (laughs) could continue to suck the blood. Yep. Stories about Vlad's brutality spread over the years, turning the man into a legend. Once, uh, I'll just relate a couple of these stories here to you. We don't know if they're real, but they're fun. I don't know if fun's the right word. Never mind. They're interesting. They're interesting. There you go. Uh, quote, Turkish messengers came to Vlad to pay respects, but refused to take off their turbans, according to their ancient custom, whereupon Vlad strengthened their custom by nailing their turbans to their heads with three spikes so that they could not take them off.
0: I heard that. I've heard that story.
1: Another story had, uh, Vlad had a big copper cauldron built and put a lid made of wood with holes in it on top. He put the people in the cauldron, and put their heads in the holes and fastened them there. Then he filled it with water and set a fire under it, and let the people cry their eyes out until they were boiled to death. Jesus. And then he invented frightening, terrible, unheard-of tortures. He ordered that women be impaled together with their suckling babies on the same stake. The babies fought for their lives at their mother's breasts until they died. Then he had the women's breasts cut off and put the babies inside head first. Thus he had them impaled together.
0: Jesus Christ. That's a lot. I'll have to put a trigger warning before that one, before this episode. Mm.
1: Beginning in the 19th century, Romanians began to prop up Vlad as a national hero. Someone who'd fought for the independence of their land from the Ottomans, as they themselves were doing at that time.
0: Interesting. So he's like a folk hero.
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah, because like looking back into the, like when you're fighting for independence, like looking back into the past to find. Similar figures um, can kind of like, almost like say like, oh, we've always been here, or we've always struggled against this oppressive force. Um, like in France, um, Vercingetorix, who was a, a, a Gallic leader against the Romans, against Caesar, he was he's kind of propped up as a national hero, even though he's not French by mm-hmm. any means. So it's just kind of like, okay... The farther back we can look at the past, it's like it gives our culture more legitimacy in a mm-hmm. way. So in the 19th century when the Romanians are trying to get their independence from the Ottomans, like, okay, well, look, we've actually been here for centuries beforehand. So we yeah. really should have this land to ourselves and not be ruled over by this foreign foreign people. Mm-hmm. So, Makes sense. In 1859, Wallachia, along with Moldavia... United to form what is today Romania, initially under under Ottoman suzerainty, but then achieving full independence in 1877. So that's how we get uh, sort of the modern-day state of Romania.
0: 400 years later. Yes.
1: The influence that Vlad's life had on Bram Stoker is debated, beyond the name and the general location in nearby Transylvania because uh you could certainly stories are passed down through the centuries of this guy in eastern europe very bloodthirsty he impaled people all these brutal stories much like you know what i related that's just two story two of the stories he has cool sounding name you know so it's probably just like bram so we just like hearing the name like maybe like rough stories like oh that's that's a good idea but like of course there were other vampire stories well before him Mm -hmm. that he probably also borrowed from yeah uh so but yeah so i mean and and the character of count dracula has certainly wrapped itself in the historical legends of the actual vlad dracula right um so certainly it's one of the more one of the biggest cultural characters of the past hundred years.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. yeah,
1: so. Yeah, so that, uh, and certainly, like, if uh, Vlad had picked the right tent and actually killed Mehmet, I mean, that would have thrown the Ottoman Empire into chaos, and they may not have ended up becoming what they became.
0: And maybe he would have taken the lead. He was no stranger to uh, Possibly. usurping.
1: Possibly. So. 'Cause the Roman Empire was dead by this point, so maybe he doesn't necessarily march on Constantinople, but maybe he like is able to gather become or become like a rallying point for this opposition to the Ottomans, and maybe he's able to declare himself emperor. Who mm-hmm. knows? Yeah. So Oh sources for this. Radu Florescu, Dracula, Prince of Many Faces from 1989. Vlad Georgescu, The Romanians, A History from 1991. Kurt Treptow, Vlad Dracula uh, from 2000. And MJ Tro's Vlad the Impaler from 2015.
0: I noticed that you didn't cite uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. I did not. Historically accurate.
1: Which you will be reviewing on a future episode of Yes Tag of the Final Girls. Tag correct? of the
0: Final Girls. It will be in November that right. we cover that one.
1: Alright.
0: So What are we talking about next time?
1: I don't know, Teresa. What are we talking about next time?
0: Uh something you know nothing about.
1: <laughs> That's like one of two things, so go ahead. Uh, what of what the two things did you pick?
0: Mountain climbing.
1: I know a little bit about it. I know it's scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so we I know are... that people
1: die doing it.
0: We are actually talking about the, we will be discussing the 1996 uh, Mount Everest season, which was among the deadliest in history. It was very, uh, it, it ended up being kind of an um, interesting year for coverage of Mount Everest because while also a very deadly year, there was a lot of coverage because there was a, um, a very high profile um, Journalist who was there, and they were also on the other side of the mountain filming an IMAX movie. So fortunately for us, we actually have a lot of um, information on it mm. when otherwise we wouldn't. Mm. So we are going to be talking about the 1996 Mount Everest disaster specifically in May of 1996. So. And you'll be driving the
1: bus on that one,
0: and I it will be my episode, the first and only episode where I will be driving for We F'd Up. So yeah, I'm I excited. mean, I
1: mean, all righty.
0: Please be sure to check out our other projects, including Attack of the Final Girls, a horror movie podcast with my lovely co-host, Juliet.
1: Imperfect Men, yet another Rexy Pod, rating all the Founding Fathers, from Andrew Adams to George Wythe.
0: The Drunken Pawn, a YouTube channel where we play board games and drink craft beer.
1: Hard Ticket to Sedaris, a movie podcast covering the action films of the late Andy Sedaris.
0: For all of our projects, visit our Twitter at AOPPODNETWORK. I'm Teresa.
1: And I'm Cody. And this is We We Effed Up.